My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Man, it's my privilege to introduce Francis. He's been here for a little bit, and I'm so proud of you, and you give me courage and encouragement all the time. We're getting to, he's part of the staff, he's part-time, but uh, Francis is here, and you're going to hear a story. He came from Florida and gave up everything and came here for a part-time uh, to serve with us because he has a heart for the Indian people that don't know Jesus Christ. And so he's willing to give up everything to come here, and that gives that excites me, right? You know what I mean? It's for So he's here. He's part of staff. You get to hear his heart. You get to hear his vision for the campus. So I want to pray for him and welcome you. And it's been so enjoyable. And what you brought to the staff is just beautiful with your excitement uh, for those that are far from God. So we're just really grateful. So let's pray together for Francis. Lord, we come before you and all of us. We're, we're your children and you've chosen and appointed us uh, to share the good news, to make disciples, and to just humbly serve, Lord those that are far from you and those that are hurting. And so, Francis, I, I thank you for him. I thank you for his heart uh, for the Indian people. And I thank you that he was willing to do whatever it takes to, to move from Florida to Oregon for just part-time to start with. But, God, we're planting and watering, and he's doing a beautiful job, and you're going to make it grow. And we believe that this is the next step, one of the next steps for sunrise. We believe you're, we're in your will. We've been praying about it. You brought Francis here. and. and and partnered him with Brad and his family. And so we just celebrate. We just thank you for who he is and his character and his integrity. But most of all, his love for you and his love for those that are far from the Lord. Uh, and so, Lord, um, be with them. And uh, we just are uh, excited about what you're doing in all of us. Help all of us take a step, Lord, towards you in a new way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Thanks, Pastor Kevin. Well, isn't Jesus a wonderful Savior? Yes. yes. Yeah, so some from the front. Yes? yes. <laughs> so I want to start with a story. Uh, in the year 1914, a British man by the name of Ernest Shackleton, I was reading about his story, very amazing story. He had announced a plan to travel across the continent of Antarctica in the South Pole. And no one had really attempted this before. So, uh, some reports said uh, he had advertised about his trip uh, using these words, men wanted for hazardous journey. Low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful. But honor and recognition in the event of success. 
So Shackleton literally gathered a group of a team of 27 men and set sail towards uh, the continent of Antarctica. In January 1915, uh, just as the mainland was in sight, the, the ship got stuck in ice and the ship eventually sank. Uh, the team survived, uh, but what began as an adventure into frigid ice ended up as a, a survival mission to get out of ice. After 18 months of survival, literally camping on ice floes, these huge blocks of ice, uh, deserted islands, and uh, stormy seas, icy waters, the, the whole team of 28 men made it back home. Uh, how did they survive? Uh, it was Shackleton's journey or labor of love. And it showed up in his personal diaries or journals that uh, Shackleton would make sure that his team had fellowship right after meals so that they don't get depressed and go into isolation. Uh, whatever the, the challenge was uh, the crew had faced, Shackleton would be there to meet their every need. He cared for them and he loved them. Today I want to uh, share with you about a similar passion some key followers of Jesus had uh, when they were thinking about men and women uh, they had been discipling. Their love for them made these, turned these new disciples into laborers of love. And that's my title for the sermon, uh, Laborers of Love. And I'm sure you're aware that uh, the largest minority group uh, in Hillsboro is about 23% is the Hispanic Latino people group. Uh, but did you know that the second largest minority group uh, is Asian? About 9% of our population. Uh, and Indians make up, I believe, the majority of that people group. So as we are uh, visioning out our Indian campus or ministry, uh, I believe God is looking for laborers of love among you. So in our passage from the Bible, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, we'll see how, uh, we'll see an amazing account of how Paul and his friends uh, labored into them. They made disciples who made new disciples. So let me begin by asking a question. Uh, what do laborers of love look like? Uh, we'll see three uh, three things, really. Uh, the first one is gospel transformation. People who have been first transformed by the gospel. The second one is people who, people who live the gospel. And the third we'll see is people who share the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, uh, it's page number 905-905 in your Bibles below your seat uh, or in front of you. Uh, if you would turn to 1 Thessalonians... Chapter 1, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church in, of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Well, let's start by asking the question, who are, the, who are these Thessalonians? Uh, the Thessalonians were idol worshippers before they had met Paul. They met Paul and they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ 
And something happened to them. So they used to be idol worshippers. Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia. You see that word here? Uh, well, we don't see it. Well, it'll come up. Uh, Macedonia, and it is north of Greece, uh, or Achaia, as we will see. Uh, Paul is... An apostle of the early church. He is a leader of the church. He is a gospel preacher. He is a church planter. He wrote several books in the New Testament. So he goes from place to place, literally travels uh, by foot, I think, and then preaches, proclaims the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, plants a church, moves on to another place. So he comes to the city of Thessalonica. And he proclaims the gospel with his associate Silas. Silas is a Greek word. Silvanus is Latin. And he preaches the, the, proclaims the gospel there. And these people turn to Jesus Christ. They become new disciples of Jesus Christ. So he plants a church there and goes on to two other cities. Athens and Corinth. And while he was in Corinth, he is now concerned about his new disciples back in Thessalonica. So then he sends his disciple, his very dear disciple, his friend, Timothy. He tells Timothy, why don't you go and check up on these new disciples in Thessalonica. So Timothy goes there and returns with an outstanding report. They were doing so well. So Paul is so happy to hear this message, how well these guys were doing. And that's when he sits down, actually these three of these folks, they sit down and write the letter to the church in the Thessalonians. And he opens his letter with just two words, grace to you and peace. What a way to open a letter. The Thessalonians did not know what grace was. They were in idolatry and sin. Now they have known the grace of God. Now they have peace with God. So once he opens this letter, he goes to the main content, the main focus of his letter, verses 2 and 3. Here's where he really wants to say uh, he is giving thanks to God for the Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God, before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Really, he is thankful for three things. He, first of all, he is thankful to God for the Thessalonians for three things. Work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. So these are really the three great Christian virtues. Faith, love, and hope. And for our sermon today, I'll focus on love, the labor of love. The word labor in the New Testament is very interesting. It is not just normal work. It is labor that is physically exhausting. Uh, Mental strain, fatigue and trouble uh, for the sake of loving others. And sometimes loving others can be really hard. Uh, People can be so unlovable. Yet Paul is reaching out. Reaching out from town to town. And reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is no stranger to difficulty and hardship. In 2 Corinthians 11, he writes that he was often without food, had sleepless nights, exposed to harsh cold. All for what? All to care for others. To make disciples. He had a daily burden, a deep concern for all the churches he had planted. 
And now we get into three reasons. The three reasons. Gospel transformation is the first reason. So let's go to the verses 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Paul is really saying that, that every Christian must know and hear. The Thessalonians have heard this from Paul. If you're a Christian believer, you're loved by God and you're chosen by God. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ to His disciples in John chapter 15. It says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you in order that you might bring forth fruit. So this is really the the message of God. Once you're a believer, you're chosen, loved by God Himself. And Paul tells them that his ministry was an instrument to bring the Thessalonians to God. And his ministry was not a normal ministry. His ministry was a supernatural ministry. It was not just words. They were the power of God. They were the the Holy Spirit. This was true gospel power working in Paul and through Paul. Uh, This is the kind of power that makes dead men live. Uh, this is the power when Jesus was there at the, the tomb of Martha, uh, Lazarus, Martha's brother. And Martha was saying, Lord, he has been dead for four days. And Jesus says, you do not know me. I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus stands outside and he says, with a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come out. And with those words, what happens? He comes back to life. This is the kind of power working in Paul, gospel power. You know, I uh, grew up in a Christian home. I memorized the Bible as a child. Went to church four times a week. Uh, Yet, there was no transformation in me. I really did not come to repentance and faith until my late teens. So until then, I became like the Pharisee. A Pharisee is like the good guy. Just a show on the outside. I thought I had to keep up with my parents because they were godly people. But inside was just full of sin, hypocrisy, and deceit. So we used to go to this youth retreat every single year. And for years the gospel seemed like mere words to me until one year in that youth retreat. The gospel preacher was saying, Young man, you're sin. You, you're, you have sin in your heart. You must repent of your sin. And I feel like there was a dread coming down on me. I wanted to repent. The Pharisee had to come out. The sinner in me had to fall at the feet of Jesus Christ. You know, a preacher said once, you know, God must break you before He heals you. That is the way I felt that day. True repentance is that gospel power cutting into your heart. So Paul was true to, the, for the, true to the gospel for the sake of the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians saw gospel power work in them. It transformed them. But it didn't stop there. Then they started living the gospel. These guys took their faith seriously. Let's see what happens next. 
verses 4 and 5. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Same word for Greece. So here's what the Thessalonians did. They were transformed by the gospel, and now they actually started mimicking. They became imitators of who? Paul and his fellow co-workers. And not just these three men, but also of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they were suffering. They, were, they received the word in much affliction. They were suffering. They had hardship. And yet, they were living the gospel. The word imitator, because you see imitators in the New Testament is very interesting. It, it means the word mimic. They were mimicking someone. They were following the example of Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Jesus Christ himself. So here's a question. What specific example were they following? What did they see in Paul and others that they were mimicking? Thanks for asking. Well, Paul describes his life as an apostle and even his fellow apostles in 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. And we labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. See, Paul and his fellow apostles worked hard. They earned their living by toiling and working hard for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. And when they were insulted, they blessed. When they were ill-treated, they suffered through it. When they were spoken evil of, they pleaded with their opponents. And this was the example of Jesus Christ too. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 23, it says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So this is the same example then and even today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, dear friends. Same example we must follow. They became imitators of the life of Paul. Now, here living this example can be challenging and hard, right? Just the two of you right there. It's challenging for me. The flesh wants to hit back. But how did these guys do it? How did, they, how did these guys live this faith? They had joy. They received the word with joy. In the There is one sure mark of a true Christian. It is joy. Christian life can be hard, but it is never without joy. Supernatural joy. I still remember when I was repenting and uh, following Jesus Christ, my sin had to come out, started repenting and asked for forgiveness. And I could see one day when just joy flooded my heart. And everything else seemed like cheap. The things of this world are, you know, small compared to the joy. They're dim as a songwriter says. It's like the gospel story that Jesus tells this parable. You know, when a person found this treasure in the field, because of joy, he sold everything and bought that field. 
A good friend once told me how another man in church was slandering him and giving him a hard time. So my friend's heart was heavy and he was weighing in his heart what to do. And his flesh felt like hitting back to retaliate. And so one day he said he opened the Bible to do his devotions. And uh, the words in the Bible just struck him. And it said, do not retaliate. Do not hit back. And he said he immediately submitted to God's word. And he felt peace and joy. So we see the Thessalonians go from being transformed by the gospel and living the gospel. But they didn't stop there. They actually started sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. So let's see verses 8 and 10. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, plural, in Macedonia and Achaia, all the regions, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. See, the gospel was spreading. The gospel was spreading because the Thessalonians were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And the people who heard the gospel, the good news, were coming and telling and reporting it to Paul. They were telling Paul, Paul, we heard the good news, not from you, but from the disciples you had invested in. It was a third party report. So Paul saying, we did not tell anything for about you. We're so happy for you. We heard the report that you were actually sharing the gospel with others. <coughs> Excuse me. I remember sharing uh, about the Bible uh, back in college uh, with a friend of mine in college uh, years ago. And I told my friend Ravi, and I said, uh, Ravi, you know, there was a day when the Bible just kind of broke. And it, it sort of became real to me. Just felt, found every word was precious. It's as, as if God was speaking to me. I was reading the Bible. And I had forgotten about it. And then 20 years had passed by. And I receive an email from him. And he says, Francis, I, uh, I did not believe in the gospel. I did not repent at that time. Uh, but now I have repented. And I still remember what you told me. Then I feel the same way today. See, your story, it is your story. Your story, simple story of what God has done in your life can change someone. And that's what the Thessalonians did. They were sharing their gospel story. How they had turned from idols to the living God. It was a simple story. They were idolaters and now they were servants of the living God. So the Bible says idol worship is a sin. And these folks, uh, the Thessalonians, were worshiping idols of emperors, Greek and Roman uh, goddesses, gods and goddesses. Uh, They were made by human hands. 
the idols have hands but cannot touch, they have feet, they cannot walk, they have ears but cannot hear, they have mouths but cannot speak, they have no life in them. God had a huge problem with idolatry back in the New Testament days. He sent prophet after prophet saying, don't look to these lifeless idols, look to me. I am the living God, he says. God is a God of life, the giver of life, the source of life. He said, turn to me all the ends of the earth. You know, my ancestors followed uh, idols, perhaps worshipped idols. I lived growing up with all idols around me. But when my great-grandfather heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, they left their idols and served the living God. And the same thing, that's the same thing the Thessalonians did. So if you're thinking we don't have idols like they had it that day, we might have more. The Bible says anything that takes the place of an idol, of, of God is an idol. So Paul ends with a warning. So those who never repent of their sin, whether it's idolatry or any other sin, will face the anger of God one day, will face the wrath of God one day. But those who have trusted in Jesus Christ have a living hope. They have a living hope. You have a living hope because Christ has risen from the dead. He was put to death, mocked and beaten and scourged, put up on a cross. He was buried and the third day He rose again in the power of God. And that is the endurance of hope. So dear friend, if you're here, if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ... Leave your sin. Come and follow the Savior. Leave your idol. And follow the Savior today. Plead with you. Peter preached the same message. You must turn, repent from your sin. And turn to God. To receive forgiveness of sin. And Jesus must become your master as well. So it was Paul's labor of love that brought the Thessalonians to Jesus. And they themselves became laborers of love. In the same way, it was a labor of love that brought our family to Hillsboro. Our journey began in the summer of 2016. Uh, we were visiting India on a ministry and a family trip. And there in God's providence, we met Brad Butcher. And over the next few months, Brad was sharing with us about the vision Pastor James had and his love for the Indian people group. And so on Memorial Day this, uh, earlier this year, uh, my family and I visited Sunrise Church. And during that weekend, we sat down with Pastor James and Pastor Kevin. And uh, the vision of Pastor James was compelling. He said he had been praying for the Indian people group for years. So... After we had met with him, Pastor Kevin took us to a small group and shared with the small group that our desire was to be here, to labor among people here. So the small group started praying for us. Then we returned to Florida. We started praying. Brad and I, we were on the phone almost every day. We started praying. Uh, But I didn't have all the answers. 
Um, one of the, the biggest challenges I had was I didn't have all the resources to, uh, resources to come here. Uh, I was going to be part-time here. So we were praying, we were pleading with God, and one day I went to, the, went to my employer. I was a consultant there back in Florida. And I went to the employer and said, uh, Would you allow me to relocate to Oregon and work remotely so I can follow God's leading, answer God's call? And you know what the answer was? The answer was not just yes, but here are the exact words from my, from my boss. He said, Francis, I want you to do God's will. And the Lord had opened a door for us. We saw God's leading and we saw God's provision. So as we were preparing to relocate here uh, three months ago, uh, really midway in this year, I received a phone call, a very interesting phone call. And it was Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin said, hey, I want you to come and stay at our place while we move to another home. This was a sacrifice of love. So truly we're here because of a labor of love, a labor of vision for the Indian people group and the other nations around us, a labor of prayer, a labor a sacrifice, a labor of sacrifice. And now we want to labor for those who do not know Christ yet. The Indian people group needs Jesus. I have been into their homes, their living rooms. I have spoken to many young people recently. I've seen their hurts. I've seen their tears. I've seen their cries. Many just are empty inside. They're far from God. Many are lost in pride and vanity and idolatry. And many times that sin is hidden behind a good education, a good home, a a good employment, and sometimes even a good family, culturally speaking. Sometimes that can be idolatry as well. And many times uh, when I speak with them, I could sense they're, they're thirsting for relief. They're thirsting for something beyond them. And they need the living water of Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can satisfy Amen. Amen. So as I close, I began with Shackleton's journey into Antarctica, that cold, frigid, icy place. Uh, When Shackleton's ship sank, uh, his whole team, the group of 28 men, literally started camping out on huge ice floes. You know, I've never camped out on ice floes, and I suggest you, highly recommended you never do that. You know, this huge floating pieces of ice. And so when Shackleton saw that there was a team member who was, you know, camping on a tent, inside a tent. And one of those team members' tent actually started collapsing, sinking into the sea because the ice below him had cracked. But Shackleton was so sharp. He was alert. So he ran after him and rescued him from the sea. In the same way, we were sinking deep in sin. And what did Jesus Christ do? He rescued us from sin. It was Christ's labor of love that has set us free from sin and the power of death. 
So the Thessalonians turned from their idols and found the true living God. In Jeremiah 10.10 it says, He is the one and true living God, the everlasting King, and His Son Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. And these people started living the gospel. And then they began sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. They became laborers of love. I believe on the last day of the year, I believe God wants to do a mighty work in you and through you. God wants workers of faith, laborers of love, and people who will endure with hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. A living hope because He is still alive today. If God is stirring in you a hunger for Indians or the nations in Washington County, will you join me? We're part of a small group now, but we're praying that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest. I would love to talk with you more, but 